Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Bear Down Bears fans, welcome into the Chicago Bears podcast. We've actually got Courtney on the podcast today. Courtney Cronin is in the building with us, not Yurko. I know the schedule looks crazy. It's draft week. Of course, the schedule looks crazy. Everybody's out here losing their mind. Courtney, how's it going? Welcome to your first episode on the Chicago Bears pod. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this podcast, for this week, draft week. I mean, today's like Christmas morning for NFL fans when we get to see the new players come into the organizations and, you know, for first round picks, the expectations are usually pretty astronomical, especially when you have a top 10 pick like the Chicago Bears. So let's see what they do because I'm tired of mock draft season. We've done it long enough, Pat, and I think we're all ready to turn the page towards OTAs rookie minicamp, veteran minicamp, and seeing what this roster actually looks like after the second full offseason under Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. My favorite thing about mock draft season is just watching people rise to the top, fall completely to the bottom, and then just work their way back to the top. And it's like, it's the same people making these mock drafts the entire offseason. How did your opinion on this guy change that much because he didn't run as fast as you thought in the 40? It's always crazy to me when I see that stuff. It is. And I know the information these last two-ish weeks before the draft actually happens tends to, you know, a lot of it's calculated information. I keep thinking back to C.J. Stroud and the S2 cognition test that apparently is a huge deal and allegedly making his stock fall. And if that is the case, was that information that was put out by a team that wants to see him fall because they think they might not be able to get him if he were to stay in the top, you know, three or four of the draft. So we'll see how it all shakes out. I am curious about the number of quarterbacks that we'll see taken in the first round, what happens in the top 10. Then of course, what the bears do at nine feels like it's anybody's guess at this point, whether they're going to go offensive line, which offensive lineman they may take, whether Jalen Carter is going to be there. Will they surprise us all and take a cornerback? Who knows? But we're only a couple hours away from it taking place. Finally, it's here. So I'm excited. This is a really fun time if you're covering a team when you get to start to learn the new rookies that are going to be part of this franchise. Absolutely. Hey, if you guys haven't done so, man, hit that like button, subscribe to the page. We got a full podcast of draft talk today, so you can't go wrong. Let's get into it. Let's start it off with the first quarter of the show. First quarter. Courtney, recently... All of a sudden, Jalen Carter's just dropping like a lead weight, and he's going to fall into the Chicago Bears' lap. It was reported earlier that he might go as early as five, as six maybe, right? Now we're talking about him possibly dropping to the Bears. Greeny thinks that that's where he's going to end up going. The Jalen Carter buzz is back up in Chicago. If he's there at nine, does he still hold the same value as he did when he got when the uh, – uh, draft process started and before we had all of the other news as a player do you take them at nine if you're the chicago bears you have to give it heavy consideration and from what it sounds like let's just go off of what ian cunningham the assistant general manager said publicly the other day you know they brought him into the facility they've met with him multiple times at the combine at his pro day on the top 30 visit they've done their research and their due diligence to know 
whether he's going to be the right fit within the culture that they're building. And certainly we know he'd be the right fit on the field, but there's no question about that. He at one time was considered the best prospect in the draft and had the off the field stuff not taken place and the arrest not come out when it did at the combine two days after meeting with the bears and other teams, he's probably the first pick taken in this draft. And maybe the bears don't move away from number one, but fortunately for Chicago's sake, that happened when it did, yeah. and they are able to be at nine, where he very well could be in play. I thought it was interesting today. Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay put out their final mock drafts, and I know yeah. that there are a lot of these, Pat. Like, we see them come out, you know, more frequently in the month of March into April. They do a dueling mock draft where one draft analyst for ESPN picks one guy, and then the next spot is is the other. And today they both had a unanimous decision in both of their respective mock drafts that Jalen Carter would be going to the bears at nine, meaning Seattle passed on him at five Detroit passed on him at six. Uh, The, the Oakland Raiders passed on him at seven. And then of course, Atlanta there at eight, if he's there at nine, I said this and I'm going to stick with it because I don't like to waffle on my picks. And I think that they have given the serious consideration. If he's there at nine, I think that the bears will draft Jalen Carter it's a big risk, though. You, it is not, it's not a decision that comes without risk for a second-year general manager. And having to put a lot of stock into that decision is one that, you know, Ryan Poles, when he's on the clock tonight, this will be, if, if Carter's there, that will be the biggest move of his young career as general manager and potentially a career-altering move that he makes. And we'll see how it pans out. But I find it really intriguing, the buzz that he is falling on draft day and might not be going in the top six like we had originally projected. And that's a big decision for the Bears if they get there and he's there. I think here's the thing too, right? Especially to me with Jalen Carter is that, of course, right, all the questions that have come out with the off the field stuff. But when it comes to the on the field fit, I just feel like he's the perfect piece that this defense needs. I think the the biggest question mark around the Chicago Bears is the fact that how many blue chip players do we really have on this team? But I think we have an opportunity to get a player that could make this team have more blue chip players. I think Tremaine Edmonds is a blue chip player. If there's somebody that could put pressure on the quarterback, I think the TJ Edwards can be a blue chip player. If there's somebody that can get pressure on the quarterback. And so I, I think that the bears to me, like you said, they got to take a long look at this and especially sitting at nine here, there's going to be, I let me ask you this, I guess if Jalen Carter falls, how many phone calls do you think the Chicago Bears are getting at that point for teams that might want to trade up? Because right now we're sitting nine. Next spot is 53. There's a lot of good players going off the board in between that. Yeah, the 44-pick gap is not yeah. lost on this team. And I just I think that that's going to be an uncomfortable spot to be in when you see all of these great players going off the board and realizing that, the you know, the, the depth at each position takes a considerable hit by the time that you get to the second round because, by and large, this is not considered as strong of a draft class as we've seen in years past. I mean, take a look at the receiver position. When you have these spread offenses in college that are producing, you know, anywhere from – you know, 20 to 25 receivers taken in the draft every year. And you see those numbers shrink from 2020, you know, to now that's kind of concerning, but I, I said this on around the horn yesterday and I really believe it because I had heard some buzz around Philadelphia that if 
you know, the Bears are standing in their way. The Phillies right there at 10. They yeah. need defensive line talent. They're a team that's built from the inside out. Fletcher Cox is getting up there in age. Brandon Graham, I'm surprised that he didn't retire after the Super Bowl season because he is, you know, going on year 13, year 14 in the NFL. So we'll see. Yeah. And they also just gave up Javon Hargrave to free agency this yeah. year. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles try to jump the Bears in the draft order to get Jalen Carter if he's falling because there are going to be teams that look at this and say there's no way Chicago is going to pass this up unless right. we give them a lot of draft capital, including the first-round picks so they can move down. They would probably be in contention for you know at least one or two of the uh, top-tier offensive linemen, but also to fill that gap between forty, you know, the 44 picks that they have between 9 and 53, you'd have to really sweeten the deal because the Bears would have to be okay in that moment passing up on that blue-chip defensive player, arguably the best defensive player in the draft, yeah. to move back and be comfortable but keep an eye on philly they're an interesting one and i know that jalen carter even said that you know if philly if he's there at 10 at philly that they told him they would draft him so yeah. it's interesting it's interesting conjecture a couple hours before the draft and we'll see if that actually pans out it it's it's so funny to me because this is the time that i, I call this uh, the 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 lie time uh, everybody's just throwing stories around. It's just, yeah, we're taking him. We'd love this guy at the top of the draft. Now, and I, I don't know about him now at the bottom. And, and on the day, you know, a lot of times it ends up going the way that we projected at the beginning of yes. the entire process. So it always cracks me up. What's the situation that you think gets Jalen Carter to us? Who, what, who moves out or changes what we thought was going to be the order, how these players fall, that you say that's how Jalen Carter falls to us. Okay, so I I think this all starts back with the top, like how the quarterbacks are going to fall, because mm -hmm. I don't think that Tennessee is going to stay where they are. I believe they're at 11 right now. Yeah, it's hard Air, about uh, mountains to get up there. <laughs> And Arizona, the Arizona is in an unfavorable spot. Like they need offensive line help. They probably don't want to draft if it's Paris Johnson. They don't want to draft him right there. So I could see that f switch happening. Tennessee, because of Ryan Tannehill, where he's at in his career, them trying to get the next guy in the building with a new general manager. All of those things said, them moving up to get C.J. Stroud. So potentially the order would be Bryce Young. We expect right. number one overall. Houston taking a defensive player. It's Will Anderson or it's Tyree Wilson. I don't think they're in on Jalen Carter because it and also could be CJ Stroud, which I think, you know, there's a lot that goes into play here because Houston's roster, no matter who their quarterback is, even if it was Bryce Young, that roster is not ready to contend. So D'Amico, yes, D'Amico Ryans could be looking at that saying, hey, if I have the final say on this, where that which there is some validity to how the power shift has happened in that front office this offseason, that he wants his Nick Bosa so he can yeah. go get that. But then that leaves Tennessee on there at three. So with Tennessee moving up, changing the quarterback order, so you potentially could have three quarterbacks gone in the top four with Young, Stroud, and then Will Levis going to Indianapolis. I could very well see the other defender, whether it's Wilson or whether it's Will Anderson, falling to Seattle. And then, you know, the, the order going from there, like where it all kind of, you know, shifts everybody yeah. down a spot. Now, that's not to say, like, there might not be another quarterback taken there. Seattle could be in play for Anthony Richardson. So we might get four quarterbacks gone in the top five, which, again, 
pushes the defenders down the list even further because then that could be Will Anderson going to Detroit. We know that they yeah. need help, um, you know, with their pass rush as well, even after even a year after drafting Aiden Hutchinson. So all of those things, the cornerback class will not affect the top 10. Devin Witherspoon and uh, Christian Gonzalez, I expect them both gone, Raiders and Falcons. That would leave Jalen Carter right there at nine for the Chicago Bears. And it's Jalen Carter, and then it's all of the offensive linemen that you have at your disposal, the top four or five whole draft boards available to you. So that's a pickle that they're in, but that's going to be an exciting pressure opportunity for this front office to know – okay, if it falls perfectly like that, that is the ideal scenario where you have Jalen Carter and you have all the offensive linemen you might want to take. How do you, you know, differentiate between what is the best fit for what you're building, not just on the field, but in the locker room and trying to continue to get this culture that they have strived, uh, you know, to, to make like a really big part of this. How do you continue to build that in year two? Yeah, I think that's that's the the hard part of this whole process, right? It's just the it's got to play out so perfect mm-hmm. for the Bears to end up getting Jalen Carter. But the part that makes me feel good about it is right, like even if the Bears stayed at nine, now you're gonna miss out on a lot of talent going down. But if Carter is if Carter is there at nine, you get to pick up. If you don't believe in Jalen Carter, I still like a lot of the names that are there as well. So I feel like the Bears are in a good situation, right? If a Paris Johnson is there, if a uh, Peter Skoransky is there, and I'm a little high for me for Skoransky, but, you know, if if there are, you know, those those players that you look at and you say, hey, this guy is going to be a premium player on this team for 10-plus years, I'm not mad at the I'm not mad at the position that Ryan Poles has put the Chicago Bears team in. I think that he's he's done a great job of evaluating every situation that has come his way this offseason and taking the best that they've been able to get. No, he's done a really good job. I think that they weren't going to get any more than they got for from Carolina for the yeah. number one overall pick because DJ Moore was the cog in all of that. If you were going to upgrade the receiving core around Justin Fields, it wasn't going to come via free agency. I remember asking him about that, projecting it out when they traded for Chase Claypool back at the deadline, looking at the 2023 class and thinking, huh, there's not a lot of really big names here. The true number one premier wide receivers. Those guys all signed their extensions. Everybody from the 2019 draft class had signed their extensions or had gotten traded somewhere else last off season that left you with some pretty slim picking. So after we saw what happened with Claypool, you know, and knowing that, Hey, they still do need some help. It wasn't like he was the instant answer by any stretch when he came to Chicago last year. And we knew that that was going to trend the bears in the direction of having to solve this during the off season. They did exactly what you thought they were going to do and trade for one, but the haul that they got in return for, for the number one overall pick staying within the top 10, I thought was really important the first round pick, the number 61, having four picks in the top 64 and a number one wide receiver. You really, and of course, with the future draft capital, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I uh, we, we, we salute you, King Pace or, or King Poles, not King Pace. Whoa, whoa, not on this podcast, but uh, we salute you, King Poles, on, uh, on the, the haul that you got back because uh, I don't think many of us saw everything that the Bears got going into that coming back. Uh, as we get into the second quarter, though, we do got to look at the flip side. Second right? quarter. Because 
the more likely scenario that I still see in my mind, even though a lot of experts still are saying Carter could go to the Bears here, is that Jalen Carter is probably going to Detroit and or Oakland. I don't know if I see him falling to us at nine. If Jalen Carter's gone, what is the best situation for the Chicago Bears right now? What's the best play for them to make? Unless they are dead set on Peter Skaronsky or Paris Johnson Jr. Like I, I consider those two like the top tackle prospects. If those yeah. two are gone, and if there is a quarterback that falls to nine, the best case scenario is that one of those teams, be it Tampa Bay, Washington, somebody else who doesn't have their second, like their long-term plan at quarterback penciled in for this year. Yeah that one of those teams comes calling and trying to move up to get a quarterback and that the Bears can move back in the first round and still get an offensive lineman that can make an immediate impact. If it is Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones, any of the other names that we might not expect to, you know, there is that talent. There is the gap between the first round talent and the later round talent. They can still address the offensive line in later rounds, but I do think that it should be a priority in round one. They can do it at nine, but the yeah. best case scenario would be for them to trade back and get more draft capital. What's what's the belief around what they currently have, right? Of course, we know they, they want to add a lineman. They want to go out and get some kind of offensive lineman. But you've got Tevin Jenkins. You've got Braxton Jones. Is there a belief in the left side of what this offensive line could be? Are they looking to fill this on the right side? Or are they just going for best player available here and we'll put them wherever we can put them? They say best player available. And a lot of times when you are drafting within, you know, the top 10, the best player available also fills an immediate need. And yeah. certainly we know this pass rush, you know, needs to be improved. There's, there's definitely some, the onus can be put on Justin Fields for some of this, but there's no denying that the left side of the offensive line uh, was in, you know, a period of flux last year, despite Braxton Jones holding down the left tackle spot for every single snap on offense. Yeah. They like where he's headed. And if you take Ryan Poles at face value when he said Braxton Jones is our left tackle for now, he was very honest in that moment during the free agency press conference that that is subject to change, that, yeah. you know, if they find an offensive lineman who they feel comfortable playing the left tackle spot, that they can move Braxton Jones. Matt Eberflew said that he can play left or right. And I think that that positional flexibility is a good sign for how the Bears can manipulate this starting five to put the best five out there. As far as like where the line stands right now, if you go through it, Cody Whitehair is going to play center. It makes sense. The usually a cap hit that, that is that high for a player who for the first time really ever had dealt with injury last year and missed some time and had one of his, you know, worst seasons as a pro, like typically you're looking to maybe release that player, but they like white hair. They like what he provides from a leadership perspective. And I think it's pretty clear that moving him back to center where he played earlier in his bears career is a smart move. So you've got the center spot set. If you know, Jack uh, Braxton Jones can go left or right tackle Nate, uh, you know, Nate Davis came here and he's going to play right guard. You don't yeah. move a player who played four seasons at one position in the NFL. It was part of, you know, Derrick Henry's 2000 yard rushing season. You don't move them. 
So what does that mean? You want the Chicago Bears, Courtney. That's the problem that we've had. The old iteration of this team you might have, but I think with Poles having the offensive line mindset, Ian Cunningham, also a fellow offensive lineman, they know what they want. They know the traits that they're looking for. And I think they've been very methodical with how they've tried to make this unit better, especially this offseason. Now, of course, we're talking about the right tackle spot. Right now that's a void because you've got Riley Reef playing with the New England Patriots Alex Leatherwood's still a giant question mark. That's we forget to talk about him because I, you're right. Like, let's not forget they picked up like they could have let him clear waivers and tried to get him then. Yeah. But at, at the cutdown day, they claimed him and they claimed about six million in guarantees with him. Like th- he's going to get every chance to play yeah. to prove it. He was a first round pick two years ago. So we'll see if that pans out. But. You know, Tevin Jenkins, kind of the odd man. Could he be the odd man out in this, depending upon who they draft? I think the answer is yes. Right now, it would make sense to move him over to left guard just with the pieces that you currently have. Before the draft even starts, you'd be putting him over at left guard. We'll see if that transition, considering he's only been a guard for about, you know, 10 months, uh, we'll see if that ends up working for him. But this line is in a period of flux, as as it's been since this new regime took over more than a year ago. So adding an offensive lineman, the good thing with this group, I know a lot of people don't like my Peter Skaronsky pick that I mocked the other day in the NFL nation mock draft, mm-hmm. the positional flexibility that you get from him. He's a left tackle, but he, you know, and he's clear, he's made it clear. He plays left tackle and he yeah. played 33 career games in the big 10 doing so, but he can also kick inside to guard because of his length. And I don't know, people want to make a big deal of his arms. I think we have a lot of amateur scouts on our hands who just re- like regurgitate <laughs> what they, what they hear draft experts and people who are actually like talking to people saying, but then on top of that, Roderick Jones has played left tackle, right tackle. Uh, Darnell Wright has been right tackle, left tackle. Paris Johnson jr. Has been left tackle, right guard. This is great for the Chicago bears because you have players who, if you don't, want to play them at the position that they played their final year in college, you can test them out somewhere else. Now, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but the positional flexibility where you don't have somebody dead set on, like, I can only play one position, my brain can't function with, like, switching the footwork around if I move to the other side of the line, like, that's that's a benefit. You have four very high-caliber offensive line prospects who can do a lot, so that's yeah. good for you. Yeah, especially where the Bears are at, right? And, and the fact that, I think it's the value fact of it as well, you know, like, if we move back to 15 or 17 or wherever, right? Like Darnell Wright might still be on the board down there, right? He's being mocked to go. Uh, I think last mock I saw from PFF had him at like 18, something like that. Um, the fact that the bears still have that option on the board to still go get good talent in the first round. I think that that's the, that that's the best part about this entire process, even right, like your Skaronsky pick. I like Skaronsky. I just don't like Skaronsky at night. That's that's my only issue. I think he's a guy that'll still be on the board if you move back a little bit. Um, yeah. and, and he I, very well could be. Our the whole thing with our draft that like people f- like forget is we can't trade back because it would just cause chaos true, yeah. with everybody trying to do it. So like I had to stay at nine. Yeah, and. You know, when I I had all these Carter was gone by five. So I had all four offensive line prospects, the top four available to me. And I think about what you hear, what you know, the fit and also the projection, because from people I've talked to, this could be an above average left tackle eventually. 
Like maybe they start him there. Maybe they don't. Maybe they play him right tackle. Who knows? Or it can be a pro bowl caliber guard that has a 10, 12 year career and becomes a staple becomes the Joe Tooney of your team or, you know, like you, you can move him around and, and get your best five out there. All this is about it's it's no matter who like they could be splitting hairs here. And that's the thing, like because of the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class and like how top heavy the offensive line prospects are, you might be splitting hairs between the four that you have where it's like any of them could work. So then the likely best case scenario would be move back a little bit. I think you got to understand that like Chris Morgan, that wasn't just lip service that the bears were get where, you know, Ian Cunningham was, you know, mentioned him several times and mm-hmm. how pleased they were with Braxton Jones and like that they can wait uh, potentially, or that they can draft one early and get an offensive lineman on day three. Ryan Poles drafted four offensive linemen on day three last year and Braxton Jones, you know, of course was the best of that group, but also played 17 games. You know, he's an FCS product. This wasn't a division one prospect like some of the others that came in and had the size strength and the athleticism of the others. He's from Southern Utah. And to to see the jump that he made in one off season, a truncated one, because he was a rookie to where he's at going into year two, Bears fans should be excited about his trajectory, but also what this offensive line coaching staff can do for the next crop of talent that comes in. That might not be the top prospect, might right. be the ones that are taken later, day two, day three. Yeah, no, it, and it, it's so, even with Skaronsky, right, I think it's the mindset that I look at with him. The fact that everybody's, the part that nobody brings up when they're just like, oh, he, he's got short arms. Okay, how's he negating that? How's, how's he changing mm-hmm. it? I, when I when I watched his tape, the thing that popped out most to me was he does the long sidestep that you want to see all your tackles do, and he steps up and gets into the chest of the defender. It's like, oh, that's why people can't get past him. He is adjusting his game based on whatever his limitations may be. Mm-hmm. That's what you want at the top of your draft. That's what you want to see. I, I like the Bears' options at the top of this draft. I think that they have so much that they can look at in the first round. But as we get into the third quarter here, third man, quarter. We have to address this because all the mock drafts in the world were focused on the first round. The Bears have so many holes. I feel good about what this team has coming into the season, but there's still a ton of holes here. After this first round happens, say we don't trade back from nine. There's a lot going on there. What's the next thing the Chicago Bears need to address? Are we thinking that with the first round pick, like who are they taking in the first round? You can go ahead and give your pick and then I'll give my answer based on that. For me, I would say I would rather have a uh, Paris Johnson. If Paris Johnson is on the board, take Paris Johnson. So they've got Paris Johnson in the fold. They can immediately think about the tackle spots being upgraded because you'll either move Braxton Jones or you'll have Paris Johnson Jr. over it right and then keep it, you know, what it is right now we'll see but they should be feeling pretty good about that so then the attention i think has to shift to the defensive line the tough thing here is that in that you know that gap that we've talked about there's gonna be a lot of players that come off the board in the high early to high 30s and when you're on again at 53 yeah you do have picks you know three picks in in nine selections at 53 61 and 64 that's a good spot to be in but is that talent that can potentially, you know, impact day one on defensive line? I honestly think it could because, you know, 
Gervon Dexter, kid from Florida, is one of my favorite like day two prospects in this draft. And I think that that would be a perfect pick for the Chicago Bears at 53, maybe. Mile Kuyper and Todd McShay had Maisie Smith from uh, defensive tackle from Michigan. And he's not a you know a premier pass rusher by any stretch. He's a stout run stopper. Yeah. Let's not forget. Everybody wants to like you know talk about the three technique spot and like you need an, a forceful pass rusher. And you do in this defense. It's it's critically important. Might be his most might might be the most important position on defense next to you know weak side linebacker and your cornerback. Yeah. But they were also really bad against the run. Like let you let us forget that. You know, what happened in Detroit happened a lot. It just happened, you know, and like magnified scale where, you know, running backs like if and that's going to you brought up Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards having somebody up front at the, you know, those, you know, to, to whether they're like one gapping, two gapping, those sorts of players make the jobs of the linebackers easier. So. You can't just think, oh, like speed on the inside, you know, nasty swim move, great pass rusher, whatever. Like you have to have somebody who wants to like get up, get dirty in the trenches against the run. So I think at 53, defensive tackle, and then you can go edge rusher at 61. So to me, those are the two priorities. I would go defensive line, defensive line, day two. And then the third round pick that they have at 64 if you're looking at cornerback, if there are guys that you like, Cam Smith from uh, South Carolina, he's a pre- predominantly an outside corner. He's played a little bit in the slot. But I think for now, it's 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 for the now and it's for the long term. They haven't signed Jalen Johnson to a contract extension. Let's not forget that. Like, no yeah. extensions have been given this offseason, and we still don't know truly. We'll know by the end of the, of, you know, the offseason. But, like, what does Ryan Poles think about the candidates that he has for extensions as it currently stands? Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, soon it'll be Darnell Mooney. Like, are those guys that he plans to keep in the fold or should you start drafting some insurance policies, especially at the cornerback spot? Now you need another outside corner. That's an immediate, it's an immediate need, but it could also be a long-term need. Yeah. I think if they went all defense day two, that's the right play. And if you can sneak a receiver in there, maybe, but, like, frankly, I'm not very convinced that this receiver class, like, I think you're going to be taking a flyer on a lot on guys, anybody who's available there, day three. I, uh, my receiver that I'm trying to eyeball is Jaden Reed. I, I love Jaden Reed's hands. That speed, he, he ain't got, got breakaway speed. I know that. But, like, you need, we, the one thing that I saw last season with the Bears, if you're going to address anything at receiver, just get me somebody that can catch the football. <laughs> <laughs> he's got <Important>. one job <laughs> I just, we we sat there and watched byron pringle uh uh what was uh, uh Maseret smith uh, i mean like just guys that let the ball go through the hand just give me somebody that can catch i'll worry about the speed later we'll get him with a speed guy we'll get him up space um i and they need it like when you think about like how bad their receiving core was oh last God. year and just how how like Darnell Mooney finished the season against the Jets when he got hurt and he finishes the team's leading receiver. And that whole group, whole group of wide receivers had 121 catches last year. Like Justin Jefferson had more than half of that production by himself. And I'm not saying that every team's going to have a guy like that because that is a generate, like the true definition of a generational talent, but you've got to start filling in the holes there. And of course they have DJ Moore. Let's not forget like they finally have a number one, it's the depth now. 
that yeah. probably makes them more comfortable saying, hey, we'll take a flyer on this guy. I might have more one-dimensional. You might have like your stretch the field guy who, yeah. you know, kind of can do one thing and do one thing pretty well. Special teams, though, like I always got to mention this, day three picks, make sure they can play special teams too because that's probably their way onto the field. Even though it's a team that's in a rebuild mode and guys who are starting might not have been starting on better teams, yeah. but the special teams element, as we saw from – Tristan Ebner to Elijah Hicks. And certainly, you know, they got a punter in the seventh round last year. That stuff's really important to this team. So anybody who they draft day three has to have those traits too. Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, in my opinion, we're still in the market for a, a kick returner, punt returner. Um, that's really a game changer, right? Like Bayless Jones showed me nothing. I got. I hope that he turns into this great player, but he he showed me nothing in year one, and he's twenty five now, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, so you you had to show me early on, right? You were the veteran, experienced college player that was going to come in and make an instant impact, and he didn't, right? And he, and he dealt with injury early in the year. It took him a while to get in there, but when he got in there, I didn't feel that impact. I, that's an important piece, right? That sets you up. I think that's the part that a lot of people don't think about when they look at the draft, right? It's we need this to do this for Justin. It's like, yeah, but if you have this guy that puts Justin at the 40, yeah. that makes Justin's life easier. If you have this defense that gets turnovers that right, right at uh, midfield, that makes Justin's life easier. It's not all offensive line, every pick down the board. And, and that's what I want people to understand about the draft process here. Yeah, and to your point on the return return game, Travis Homer, the running back who was with Seattle yeah, last good, year, they brought him in because of that. Now, yeah. can he catch passes out of the backfield? Yes, but I think that his bread and butter is going to be as a returner and pushing. I mean, Dante Pettis is back in the fold too. They didn't bring him back for his receiver skills. Yeah. I mean, that would be nice if if you can have like a complimentary piece, maybe like fifth or sixth guy down on the depth chart. They brought him here for his, you know, return ability. It brought him back for his return ab- abilities. Bringing somebody else in though, whether it's running back, whether it's wide receiver to fill that role, cornerbacks sometimes do that too. That's never a bad option uh, for a day three pick. Yeah, I, I I would be all in on uh, on a day three pick that's just a key guy that we t- I, I feel like we've had these, right the Cordero Pattersons that you talk about on both sides of special teams. Those guys matter because they create plays that make your offense and defense's life a lot easier. Uh, let's, let's jump into the fourth quarter here, man. Is we're coming into the final stretch, Courtney. I got to ask you a national question coming in on this meet around the horn. Yeah, you're all over the place. You're doing great things out here. Keep it, you. You're killing the game. What's the confidence level around the Chicago Bears new regime nationally? We, we've been a laughing stock for so long, right? I, I feel like that's the theme of most of my favorite teams, unfortunately. But I feel like at least locally, the confidence level is probably the highest I've ever seen around the Bears front office. What is that vibe nationally around this team? There's, I think people looked at, like, and, and I've talked with a couple GMs over the last couple months just about the job that Ryan Poles has done in this offseason. Like, so the job he inherited was a really tough one. Yeah. And to have to tear this roster down to the studs before you can even start trying to get better, trying to move this team in the right direction, that's a big undertaking. And it's one that, you know, not a lot of people succeed with. And to have the humility to say, okay, this is probably not going to be the way that, you know, a, a great season. Like three wins, 
like we were talking about Giannis on radio this morning and his comments about like what is a failure what's considered a failure in a season and how it di- no i think it brings down the con- brings into perspective but also like every team's got different expectations every year yeah. for a team of like the Milwaukee Bucks being a one seed and having championship aspirations by that definition you can look at losing in the first round to an eight seed in Miami, even though they're not typically an eight, they're not a typical eight seed as yeah. a failure for the Chicago bears, three wins last year's can, I would consider that a failure because I don't think they think it thought it would have been that bad, but yeah. you have to be willing to know that that's the worst case scenario. And you've got to stomach that if you're going to try to get this thing off the ground, the true par- part of this rebuild that we have yet to see happen. So yeah. the way that Ryan Poles handed last year, the way that they handled trading the first round pick and doing it before free agency. I will admit, I was skeptical that that was going to happen. He told us that he saw an opportunity. He felt like he could see an opportunity where that would happen before free agency and that would benefit the team. And he was right. He, he, he set out to do something and he did it and he did it in, in, in really good order to get a haul back where you've got a number one receiver, four picks this year with the, including the pick swap a yep. first rounder next year and a second rounder the following year. That's, that's good that he, people are confident about his ability to maneuver. And I think even last year we saw some glimpses of it because of how many day three picks he made. I think it was four day three picks that he flipped into five additional players when they came in with seven. That's impressive. Yep. Um, so nationally speaking, because of the change that's going on in the NFC North right now with Aaron Rodgers out of the division and what that means for Detroit, Minnesota, and Chicago. And I, I specifically said those teams in that order because I don't think that like much is going to change in terms of like the Bears being contenders this year. Do yeah. I think they're going to get closer to contender status? Yeah, they should because that means that the rebuild's working and that your formula for how to do this, whether it's three wins to seven or eight wins, that would be deemed a successful season. And polls just, I mean, the, the, the vibe that you get in talking with people who do business with the Bears is that he's sharp, he's honest, and he's got the, like, he doesn't waver. Like, yeah. this is not somebody who, sitting on all this cash, sitting on all this draft capital, has said, all right, like, I got, you know, this player's available. God, look at this defensive tackle market. Let me go you know, break the bank for Javon Hargrave. He didn't do that. And I'm sure that that frustrates some Bears fans when they see resources that realistically, if you have a good team, that's not, they're not available to you because you shouldn't have a hundred million dollars in cap space because that means your, your roster, your 90 man roster, um, this off season is probably filled up with a lot of veteran minimum guys here on veteran minimum deals, or maybe like one or two splash signings. Yeah. Free agency. I thought he was very methodical with it. Um, I know there were some fans who were irritated about like not addressing that three technique spot and going heavy on linebacker and two linebackers who play the same position early on. But I think you have to give him time to show you there's a method to his philosophy and how this thing's going to work and let it, you know, be known that if we don't already know this, he believes that the blood of the roster, you know, like the lifeblood of this roster is built through the draft. That's how all of the teams that he was a part of in Kansas City, of course, are free agent signings. But the idea to draft and develop homegrown talent to find those players, his background's in college scouting. And it's very clear when you take a look at this roster and how it's currently constructed, you know, his fingerprints of that philosophy are all over this roster. So 
you know, long-winded answer, but I think that people think that he's done a good job so far. So we'll see where it goes from here. Again, this could be an, uh, like a career-altering night for Ryan Poles when it's all said and done based on who they take at nine and based on the decisions that they make, whether it's at nine, if they move back, or stay there, and then what happens the rest of the the draft weekend? Because I don't think it's hyperbolic to say it's the most important pivotal off season in franchise history. Because it's not just the number one pick. Yeah, it's the first time. It, it was the third time they've had it ever, and like the first time since World War II era. So that's a big deal. But like <laughs> and the first one we drafted, he was like, "I'm not playing for you." And yeah, like, it, it, they, they just joined the war. <laughs> yeah. Different different times, um, but like. Think about everything else. Kevin Warren coming here, a Big Ten commissioner. Yeah. Take, you know, one of the most powerful voices in sports coming to work for the Chicago Bears. And then the stadium project that soon will be getting off the ground in earnest. And then you couple all of that with having a quarterback going into a very pivotal year three, a team trying to build around him, but also trying to build this roster, knowing that there will still be holes on it. I think there's a lot of excitement nationally around hey can the bears get it right this time is this not just going to be another stop start rebuild that you know looks good in moments but then ends up like you can poke a lot of holes in it this doesn't feel like the same old bears that's the biggest thing i get from people i talk to on other teams and around the league it's so weird right because it's like it seems like these changes were obvious but they weren't obvious to what was done here for years. The Bears have been run like a mom-and-pop organization for so long. And Kevin Warren, to me, was the same. I I thought Ryan Poles was a really good signal of like, hey, we're trying to change things here. Because Ryan Poles, right? it it was reported that he basically was like, I'm going to run the team my way or I'm not coming here. But Kevin Warren, to me, is the first like, hey, that's a – big name, big organization, charter franchise move. I think that might be one of the first that I can ever point to in Bears history outside of like Papa Bear Hallis buying the team. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it's it's telling that he's the first person in this role that's been hired from outside of the franchise in in its 103-year history. Like that's a pretty big sign that they're ready to do things differently. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to be in agreement yeah. when you have a team that's been rooted in doing things the same way, rooted in its own history, respecting its own history, and rooted in not having a lot of change for you know a century. But they like you don't ever want to be in these spots all that often because it means that your 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 way of trying to fix things didn't work the last time, and because they are going at the right pace in their mind with this to make everything stick and have a solid foundation. I think that that's probably why you get the belief from bears fans and non bears fans alike that, Hey, they are doing something right. So it seems right now in Chicago, we'll see if it works. We'll see if it works, Courtney. Uh, I, I got one more thing for you. This is, this is our podcast here. So I will allow you trade backs if you could trade back, where would you take Peter Skaronsky, your first overall pick, ideally? So if I was able to like move around here in yeah. the draft order, and I think that you would be looking anywhere from like 16 to 19, because I know that Washington says like Sam Howell's their guy. I don't I don't know if I believe sure it. Is. Like I don't know if <laughs> sure is. Um 
if 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 those to me seem like the two sweet spots, or maybe it is Seattle at twenty if they don't take a quarterback at five. So you'd have like Washington, Tampa Bay, Seattle within you know a nice range. And I would say don't keep don't sleep on the Los Angeles Rams either. They need a backup quarterback for Matthew Stafford. I'm not so sure that uh, Walford or whatever his name is 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 like the right fit uh, within that team. Just from what I'm hearing. There might be a team like it might be a little bit later in the first round, but where where the Bears are at nine, I just feel like there's going to be a quarterback that is sitting there. Yeah, because it just the the board never falls the way we projected to. Never. Four quarterbacks being gone in the top five just seems like a stretch. So I think that if the, if you could move back, get this year's first round draft pick. Certainly, you know, certainly fix the gap, uh, remedy it between nine and 53 and get Skaronsky or get Paris Johnson. Like, I'm not married to any of those. I just think that he yeah. is the most complete offensive lineman. We, like, Paris Johnson Jr. is the best pure tackle prospect. Yes. But like Peter Skaronsky as a left tackle would be very good. I think as a guard at some point that doesn't mean like you bring him in and he immediately plays guard he could play tackle for you this year but better projecting as a guard down the line and I think you know the whole idea of oh you don't take a guard at nine well you might not be taking a guard right now you could be taking a tackle to help improve that part of you know your offensive line and then eventually making that decision it's just you know you can trade back from nine like in in try to recoup some of that draft capital like to me the first day the first thing I saw when they made that trade with with Carolina aside from the hall was wow that's going to be a very uncomfortable couple hours tonight after they make the pick if they stayed at nine and then beyond that very uncomfortable start to day two just sitting there waiting to get on the board from like 33 till 53 that's 20 picks and a lot of players are going to go off the board yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see just what Ryan Poles is able to do to jump back into this. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't mind a little trade with Washington, maybe get a uh, player back. They're trying to move on from some of their uh, defensive yeah. uh, players down there. Keep, well. keep an eye on Chase Young, because I remember when Trent Williams was in the mix a couple yeah. years ago, his name got floated when I was covering the Vikings, and they were very much in on trying to get him before he ends up going to San Francisco 49ers. They're a team that does deals in the mi- with players in the middle of the draft. So uh, Chase Young and them in Washington not picking up his fifth year option that is certainly newsworthy, and it could very well affect the Bears. We'll see. But Courtney, appreciate you for tuning in. We're gonna have Courtney here two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Normally, um, as always, it's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again. This has been another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. If you haven't done so, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five star review. And if you're listening on the ESPN 1000 app, you're awesome. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago, and bear done. Don't mess this up, Pulse. Peace. <laughs>